this congregation is grounded in covenant and mission. We do not come together around a single set of beliefs, but rather around the promises we make as members regarding how we wish to be with one another and what we want to do together. Within that framework, we encourage and support each individual in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, as affirmed in the fourth of our seven principles. Now, you already heard the covenant in the service today, and it's been spoken every Sunday in 2019 thus far. In April, we will begin reading the mission within the service, as I've been alternating between them each quarter. Covenant, mission, covenant. And we read them both in special services, like when we welcome new members, which is coming up on May 5th. They are printed on every order of service and in every edition of News and Notes, as these two documents provide a foundation on which to build and a direction in which to move. It makes sense to keep them before us, to remind us who we are how we aspire to behave and respond to one another, and what we plan to do together. So how are we doing? That's kind of a hard question to answer, right? The challenge lies in assessment. Because we are a mission-driven, covenantal congregation, it only makes sense that we need to somehow measure ourselves against the aspirations that are articulated in our covenant and mission. But those are not very easy things to measure. Our mission, for example, is to deepen connections by nurturing spiritual growth, practicing justice, and inspiring joy. You can see those goals written on the jars in the hallway that are slowly filling with stones as individuals turning in pledge cards for the upcoming year place stones in the jars that reflect the phrases in our mission statement that have most especially inspired their generosity, participation, and commitment. Today, I want to reflect just a bit on the first of the ways in which we have pledged to deepen connections by nurturing spiritual growth. This one holds unique challenges in Unitarian Universalism, I think. First, there is the word spiritual, which is not a helpfully descriptive term to some of us. It carries some cultural baggage, I know, though that is the fate of many words. And it has a whole lot of definitions which don't always correspond with one another, which makes it even harder to grab onto for those who have questions. I get that. I would like to offer a working definition today for which I want to thank Alison Ritker because I was inspired to this formulation by the piece she wrote and shared in the reading today. When I talk about spiritual growth, when I talk about spiritual growth, I mean that which expands our capacity to love. That which expands our capacity to love. That's it. Nurturing spiritual growth then means inspiring, 
providing and supporting actions intended to expand our capacity to love. But then we encounter the next challenge for Unitarian Universalism, which Allison referred to. The next challenge comes when we ask, how do we do that? How do we do that specifically? What can I do that will help me to expand my capacity to love? It is no secret Unitarian Universalism is short on specific and unique practices. Historically, we come out of the Christian tradition, which has its own practices. But today, we understand ourselves to have a wide variety of sources across religious and ethical traditions, some of which are articulated in our six sources. Indeed, we encourage people to draw from any and all of these sources in their own free and responsible searches for truth and meaning. And we, at our best, support people in engaging with the practices that nurture their own spiritual growth. This has led to some criticism of Unitarian Universalists as spiritual dabblers. We have, say the critics, set up a sort of universalist smorgasbord of religious and ethical traditions. Individuals pass through the lines selecting what is tasty and or comforting from each tradition, but often missing out on the nutrition. We go wide in what we provide, they say, but not deep. We celebrate what is easy, but do not engage with what is difficult or challenging. That's what the critics say. Now, I don't think that's a fair assessment of what we do, but I do think we need to hear that as a cautionary tale. This is the reason I wince, and you will see me wince, when I hear people saying, you can believe whatever you want here. No. The invitation is to believe whatever I have found to be true. To be honest with myself, not to believe whatever I want to be true, not to believe what I wish were true, not to believe whatever is convenient, not to ignore the innate human tendency I carry to deceive myself, the tendency to justify in myself that which I criticize in others. And it may take some work, some exploration, some commitment to move myself beyond that. I am invited here to deep reflection and honest commitment to do what it takes to expand my capacity to love. And only I can finally decide what that is. And it may be different than what it is for you. And it may be different than what I needed to do in the past. And I may decide I need to do something else in the future. But that is the ongoing work for each of us. And that is the work to which we are invited here. Because, yes, we can just skim over the surface of spirituality if we choose to do so. I mean, after all, spiritual growth feels a little squishy, doesn't it? It's not a practical need, we think, like so many others, right? More something we engage when other things are taken care of, when we have the time. 
If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations we recite together. And that has a nice rhythm and it feels right, but frankly, a little distant from our everyday lives. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. And then we wake up one morning to 49, now 50 people murdered at two mosques in New Zealand, 48 taken to the hospital, 20 seriously injured. People murdered and injured and terrorized who had gathered for worship. People murdered and injured and terrorized for no other apparent reason than that they were Muslims and immigrants to that country. People, one of whom reportedly greeted the killer at the door, hello, brother, before the murderer carried out his brutal, heartless purpose. People like you and me here and now. And suddenly these words don't seem like just a wise and pleasant reflection from ancient history. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. Now they feel vital to our very existence. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. Suddenly they feel like a call to action. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. And now nurturing spiritual growth does not seem like a pastime, but rather that it is past time that we pay attention to each and every and all measures we can take that will expand our capacity to love. And some would say, really? Is that the best we can do in the midst of crisis? Is that our most effective response to tragedy? There are those who are trying to set fire to the world, writes Dina Metzger. We are in danger. There is time only to work slowly. There is no time not to love. I had love on my mind, writes Allison, when I joined the Unitarian Universalist Society in San Francisco. She was not looking for spiritual sweets. She was not looking for comfort food. She was looking for ways to expand her capacity to love. She was looking for what to do. It was not a squishy endeavor. That means being open to some hard work. That means practice. That means consistency. That means engagement. That means a willingness to reflect and fail and try again and learn and practice and practice and practice, and reflect, and engage, and practice again. That's what Allison was seeking, and what happened for her? Enter Buddhism. I love that. Yay, Buddhism! That is the beauty of our universalist embrace of the world's religions and ethical traditions. It is not meant to be an invitation to dabble, but to dive in to explore and find what speaks to you and to practice that which expands your capacity to love. That is what leads to a splendor of hyphenated UU identities, not to represent divided loyalties, but to honor the variety of ways people integrate their practice 
into Unitarian Universalism. So yay, Buddhist UUs. Yay, Jewish UUs. Yay, humanist and Hindu and Muslim UUs. Yay, pagan and Wiccan UUs. Christian UUs. Mystics and pantheists and earth-centered UUs. Yay, UUs for whom UU says it all or says enough for now. And yea, for the journeys of each and every one of you, for sharing your journey with others, for listening to others' journeys and learning from them, for nurturing peace in the heart that leads to peace in the home, that leads to peace between neighbors, that leads to peace in the cities, that leads to peace in the nations, that leads to peace in the world. Because peace begets peace. Peace inspires peace. So yay, for whatever practices you have found, whatever actions you can take, whatever habits you can put in place that expand your capacity to love. For just as peace inspires peace, what is it that most directly inspires love but love? Every one of us can bring the light of love to the world, says Peter Samoyski, minister of the Prague Unitarian Congregation in the Chalice Lighting reading today. Every one of us can bring the light of love to the world right now, just as we are. And we can get better at it. We can make that light shine longer, brighter, It may entail a journey to the east for some of us, tapping the wisdom and joining in the practices of ancient traditions. It may entail a journey of recovery for others, loosening the hold of addictions in favor of nurturing authentic connections. It may entail a journey into our past or across a barrier we did not think we could cross. It may entail a return journey into the religion of our childhood or a journey toward a closer connection with the natural world or a journey to become more in tune with our physical selves or a journey of serving the needs of others. It may be a journey into music or into stories or into a creative expression that we have yet to engage, but it is intentional and deliberate. And the intention is to nurture spiritual growth, that is to expand our capacity to love. It is not a pastime, but the time has undoubtedly passed when we can view such a journey as anything but essential. There is nothing trivial about the work. Deepening connections is vital to our survival and well-being. When this kind of connection exists, people do not fear one another. When there is a deep and honest connection, people do not demonize one another. They do not treat one another as things. They do not terrorize one another. They do not intentionally cause one another pain. They do not kill one another. We are in danger. There are those who are trying to set fire to the world. There is no time 
not to love. There is no time not to do everything we can to expand our capacity to love. If there is love in the heart, there is love in the home. If there is peace in the home, there is peace between neighbors. Our mission is to deepen connections by nurturing spiritual growth, practicing justice, and inspiring joy. For all of the varied ways we find to do that on our individual journeys, we know that we travel this road together.